Welcome, JCC family, to another edition of Life Lessons from Stranger Things. Uh, last week, we understood that beer represents anything that sedates or intoxicates you from your God-given purpose. You and I are royals. Hallelujah, somebody. God has called us to be kings and queens. We are kings and queens in waiting. And because of that status, we need to be careful that we don't get intoxicated or sedated. Whether intoxication is physically or whether it be emotionally, whether it be spiritually or any other way, we need to be, to be careful that we are not intoxicated. Today we get into uh, episode number four of Life's Lessons from Stranger Things. I have chosen as our springboard Romans chapter 12, chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. So if you have the word, please turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse number 12 to 14. So have you ever been accused of something that you didn't do, but your brother did? or your sister did, or your parents did, or your organization did? Have you ever been guilty by association? See, in our text today, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, we are guilty by our association to Adam. Listen to what the text is saying. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, one man, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. One man's sin affected everybody. One man's mistake made everybody guilty. That, that's interesting, but I find that to be strange. Paul continues to tell us in verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world. Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, I want you to catch this, Frankie. I want you to really catch this, my brother Adriel. Catch this. Even over those who had not sinned, According to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Even those who didn't do it like Adam, they're guilty like Adam. That's strange. Who is a type of him who was to come? Today I want to run with the title, His Sin, My Death. His Sin, My Death. His Sin, My Death. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to say something for you, about you, to your people. Be with us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I'm looking at this passage, I'm, I'm drawn to this strange idea that Adam's sin caused my death. 
You know, Sister Lady, I, I struggled with this. How can God make me guilty for the sin that Adam did? I don't know about you, Putra. I find it unfair. Not only do I find it unfair, I find it strange. Don't, don't you? Like, like, wait, Adam did it, but I'm the blame for it. Have you ever been blamed for something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Adrian's laughing because he knows the truth of this. You know, your sister did it, but you get the blame for it. I, I remember one time, me and my little brother were arguing over the remote. Because I wanted to watch a particular uh, TV program, and he wanted to watch another one at the same time. <laughs> and World War III ensued, and we are fighting over the remote to the point that I, I got so mad, and I kicked the screen door of our house. And there was a big dent from, on the screen, uh, the, the screen door of our house. And when my dad was coming back, he said, wait, what happened to the screen door? Who kicked this? You know? And, and, and my dad called my little brother. He says, uh, 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 Mark, what happened to the screen door? And he tried to explain, but my dad was not ready to hear the explanation. And he got the spanking instead of me. He was guilty for something he didn't do. And I'm seeing in this text the very same thing like, wait, Lord, Adam kicked it. But why are you punishing us for it? I do not only find it unfair, but I think on the flip side of this, we can be like, well, actually, it's not me who is the problem. It's actually Adam. So we actually have a scapegoat when we do it again, whatever it may be. When you fall into it again, when you repeat it again, when you do it again, whatever it is, you can be like, you know what? He did it, right? Right. You can blame it all on Adam. He is the cause of my sin. He is the reason for that. But the question we need to look at is, is this what Paul is saying? Is, is Paul really saying Adam's sin caused our death? Is his mistake the reason why we find ourselves struggling in the very same things. And I know that some of you talk to me and you tell me things that you're going through challenges and, 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 and sins and habits. Things that you know you are trying to break. Can you really be like, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with these things because of what Adam did. And, and do you have a right to be able to say, Lord, do not blame me for this, but please blame Adam for this. Uh, you see, when you look at this passage... Uh, you look at Paul's emphasis. Now, I really don't want you to miss me right here. I'm just going to take my time and settle into this thing because I really want you to follow me and really get me because I believe I want to, uh, to unlock something for you and help somebody. So I really want to help somebody right here. And notice in the text, we have the word sin repeated three times. In fact, this is the bedrock. This is the, the creme de la creme. This is the foundation of Paul's idea. He is using this word sin in a specific way. And now as I was doing a little digging, I discovered where Paul is at when he says we all have sinned. When he says one man's sin affected everybody. Paul is coming from a specific angle that I need you to understand in order for you to be able to handle the things that you are struggling with in your life. And I, I discovered this by looking at Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25. 
Now, as I'm reading these passages, and I'm going to read all of them, <laughs> as I'm reading them, I want you to pay attention to how Paul, check this, defines a relationship between creator and creature. He describes a, a particular way of relating between the created and the creator. And I want you to pay attention to this. In verse 18 of Romans chapter 1, Paul says like this. Pay attention. For the wrath of God, the creator, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Creature. Who suppressed the truth in unrighteousness? Verse 19. Because what may be known of God, creator, is manifest in them, creature, for God, creator, has shown it to them, creature. Let me just pause right here so you can, let me, let me bring it to you. Paul is saying, look, God is angry because the people that he created do not want to acknowledge who he is. What they do is they, they suppress the truth. The truth that God has revealed to them, they are suppressing it. They are putting it down, right? The creator has revealed the truth, but the created is suppressing the truth. Let's continue reading. Verse 20. For since the creation, back in Genesis, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. In other words, God's attributes... His love, his care, his justice, his kindness have all been revealed since the creation of the world. Don't miss this, y'all. Being understood by the things that are made. That is, the creation or the created have fully understood who God is. Even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they, the creature, are without excuse. Let me put it to you very simply. No human being in this world can ever say, I don't know anything about God. Because since the creation of the world, God has revealed it to them, to, to all of us. No matter if you come from Africa, no matter if you're Indonesian, no matter if you're American, no matter if you're Aboriginal, no matter if you live in the remote parts of the world, God has revealed himself to everybody. I hope you're listening. Verse 21. Because although they, listen to this, though they, the creature, knew God, even though they knew God, they, the creature, did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, their foolish hearts being darkened. Instead of elevating God to the position he needed to be at, the creature decided to suppress God. They knew God, but yet would not glorify him as God. Nor would they thank him for what he had done for them. Paul continues to say, now, now I really want you to, to see what Paul is, is doing right here. Please don't miss this, right? Verse 22, professing to be wise, they, the creature, became fools, <laughs> right? And changed the glory of the incorruptible God, the creator, into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Allow me just to help you to see what Paul is saying. The creature decided to make the creator like an animal, to create statues. And here is the essence of idolatry. 
Because idolatry does this. It makes me my own God. It makes me put God at the level where I can access him. It makes God move according to my plans. It makes God move according to how I want him to move. And this is what Paul is saying. That the creature has decided to manipulate God and make God for themselves. Verse 24. Therefore God. Notice this. Now, now I want you to cast this right here. Therefore God, the creator, God, also gave them up. Gave them up. Gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. That, that sounds like today, right? <laughs> dishonor their bodies. All of the stuff that, <laughs> that people do to dishonor their bodies right here. Because God said, you know what? You don't want to recognize me as creator in your life? So I'm going to let you have at it. And that's what God does. When you don't want to, you know, operate within his bounds, he says, you know what? <laughs> Forget it's all right. You can do whatever you want. Notice at verse number 25. This is what really touched my heart. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie? For the lie. And worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, 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 what, so check this. In Paul's understanding. For Paul, sin... Brother Vic, sin is a creature divorcing the creator. You and I, we focus on the symptoms of sin. We focus on the moral aspects of sin. You know, if somebody in the church, you know, uh, steps out on their wife and it is known, we're going we to talk about it. Adultery. <laughs> That's a symptom of sin. It's not the real issue. When somebody steals money... That's not the real issue. It's just a symptom. <laughs> when you are failing to control your appetite, that's just a symptom. The symptoms are what we focus on. But sin is not primarily a moral issue. Sin is a relational issue. I just helped somebody right there. The reason why people sin is not because they are so bad. The reason why they sin is because they don't want to relate to the creator. They don't want to follow God. They don't want to live for God. They want to live life on their own terms. If you look at the world today, we have a fight. We have a fight for human rights and, and gay rights and women's rights. We have the Palestinian and Israeli struggle. We have the Rohingyas in the Rakhine state of Myanmar without a state. When we look at those things and we look at uh, human trafficking and we look at the greed that is on Wall Street and, and on other kind of streets. When we, when we see babies being aborted, when we see people being killed, when we see all of the things that are wrong with this world that's not the issue the issue is a creature has said God I don't want you I don't need you I can live my life my own way and so we need to understand this morning that we are sinners when we are unrelated to God we are sinners when we are unrelated to God. You and me know this. We know that bloodline does not bond relationships. We know that uh, a brother 
two brothers can be born of the same family. They can be raised in the same home. They can have the same opportunities, but they can be enemies of each other. Bloodline does not bond relationships. We know <clears throat> that a couple can tie the knot in the church, but be untied in the home. We know that church members can sing the same hymns, can sing the same songs, can listen to the same sermons, but after service, they will not be willing to greet each other. I am talking about broken relationships. I'm talking about unrelatedness. I'm talking about now being cool with each other. And this is what happens a lot of times with God. It is possible to be faithful in giving, but yet be unrelated to God. It is possible to lead out in worship. It is possible to sing songs for Jesus. It is possible to read your Bible every day. It is possible to give food to the poor, but be unrelated to God. It is possible to post. It is possible to preach. It is possible to plan, but without being related to God. It's possible to be a Christian who is not related to God. And if you are in that place, basically you are a sinner. Even though you do the right things. You might shock you, right? Pastor, I've never killed nobody. That's cool. But you're still a sinner. <laughs> Pastor, I've never stolen money from the bank. That's cool. But you are still a sinner. Pastor, I come to church every week. I tune into the service every time. I listen to the truth decoded. But you are still a sinner as long as you're not related to God. And this is what Paul is helping us to understand. You see, you see, here is something that I need you to see about Paul's statement. You see, when Paul says, through one man, sin entered the world, what he's basically trying to say is this. Adam decided to operate, don't miss this, Adam decided to operate on a different principle than God. In his book called Principles, Ray Dalio makes a... Uh, uh, he excavates a gem that I want you to take uh, to understand what I'm trying to really get at right here to help somebody. Paul, Ray Dalio says it like this. He says, people who have shared values and principles get along. I hope you got that. People who don't will suffer through constant misunderstandings and conflicts. You see, God had laid it down. <clears throat> God had laid it down to... To Adam and Eve, he put down a principle. He says, of all the trees in the garden, you may freely eat, but of this tree you shall not eat. That was a principle. Adam says, you know what, God? I would like to flip that. I would like to change that because I want to be on your same level. And so what Adam did by eating the fruit is really crossing a principle that God had outlined for them to be able to relate with each other. And because the principle was broken, therefore their relationship had a problem. I believe that many of us want to be related to God, but based upon our own principles. We want to follow God. We want to be, to be, to be Christians. We, we want to do the things of God, but based upon our own terms, based upon our own ideas, based upon how we see it, based upon how we like it. And here is what I need you to take. The reason that Adam's sin is also our sin is not because we ate the fruit. Brother Adrian, I've never eaten the fruit of, of, of the tree of the good of knowledge and, of evil. I've never done that. <laughs> You've never done it either. You know what I'm saying? 
to the living. You have never done it either. None of us have ever done that. But you know what we have done like Adam? We have often rebelled against God. We have often said, you know what? I'm going to do it my own way. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to marry who I want to marry. I'm going to do my career where I want to do it. I'm going to live where I want to live. I don't care what God thinks. I want to do my own way and then I want God to bless it. <laughs> I want God to, 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 to bless this. I want God to. God is like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You see, we cannot live life. We cannot please God if we are not following the principles that he has laid out. And many of us, when I say that we are sinners, I'm simply saying, how obedient, how committed, how willing are you to maintain and sustain and relate to God based upon his will and his purposes? You see, when you, when you break up with God, you invite sin into your world. And that's what Adam did. And that's what many of us, we do. Now, now, please listen to this. I, I want to put it like this. You see, Adam did not eat the fruit. Check this. Did not eat the fruit, Gun, and say, okay, I'm going out of the Garden of Eden. Notice what he did. He ate the fruit, and he hid behind the trees. He wanted to be in the Garden of Eden while breaking the principles of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so, so many of us, we don't say, God, I don't want you. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? We don't say, God, I don't want you. What we simply say is that, God, I won't do what you say, but I want to be in the same place. I won't follow your will, but I will do it my own way. And this is what you and I need to learn to understand, that our lives, our lives should be connected to Adam. It should be connected to God. And we should want to do the things of God. So to answer the question... It wasn't Adam's sin that caused us to sin. It's not Adam's sin that brings death upon us. In reality, it's my sin, my death. You are a sinner because of the choices you have made. You, 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 you are in the place where you are because of you. Adam has nothing to do with it. Adam has nothing to do with it. Now, as I've been looking at the news, I've been caught by this Israeli-Palestinian struggle that's been going on. And if you're following carefully, you, you begin to see that there are people who are standing in solidarity with the Palestinians. They, they believe that they've been mistreated, ill-treated, underrepresented. Just, it's just been a terrible situation for them. And they believe that they need to have their own state. Then on the flip side of it, you have people who are standing up with the Israelis who believe that Israel should only be one state. It's not a two-state solution, right? So what you have here is what I call solidarity. And according to Professor Wikipedia, he or she or it defines solidarity, watch this, an awareness of shared interests, objectives, standards, and sympathies creating a psychological sense of unity of groups or classes. So, so that, that's what solidarity is all about. So when I say my sin, 
my death. I'm not saying that we are divorced from Adam. In fact, we share a solidarity with Adam. When Paul says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. He's basically saying right there, you and I, we are connected to Adam. We stand with Adam. We are just like Adam. We are in solidarity with Adam. Uh, Jewish scholars uh, said it like this in a way that really touched my heart. They said it like this in uh, an ancient uh, document. One Jewish scholar wrote, he says, Oh Adam, oh Adam, oh Adam, what have you done? <laughs> you know when you, 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 you look at somebody and you say, Man, you have really messed up right here. You all know, say, Man, what were you thinking? What have you done? And that's what this Jewish scholar is saying. He says, oh, Adam, what have you done, man? For though it was you who sinned, for though it was you who did it, the fall was not yours alone. It wasn't yours alone, but ours also. Who are your descendants? You and I, we are the descendants of Adam. You and I have been infected by Adam. You and I are not free from the mistake of, of Adam. Yes, we have to bear our own responsibilities, but we can look at Adam and, and I want to talk to Adam. <laughs> I want to talk to Adam one day, Vic. I want to talk to him and say, you know what, Adam, man? You know, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be struggling with the martyr bug. If it wasn't for you, I, I wouldn't be struggling the way I'm struggling. You feel me? I'll talk to Adam just like that. So Adam's sin really affected us. And you know the impact of people's choices and decisions sometimes. How they can influence us. Some of us, we are in the jobs that we are in because of the choices of somebody. And they impacted us in a way that we're not actually doing the things that we love. But we're doing something that somebody else loves. And that's what this Jewish scholar is saying about what Adam did. In fact, I want you to notice something that really caught my attention on this. You know, as I was, I was, I was doing study, I came across this. And you'll notice something. Eve, Eve is given her name after she eats the fruit and God gives them punishment. I want you to notice this. In Genesis 3 verse 20. And this is what I, I hope will ring in your mind. Look at what Adam says. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. In other words, what Adam is saying, she is going to affect all humanity. She's going to impact all humanity. No human being is going to escape what she did. No human being is going to escape the mistake that she made. All human beings are going to be infected by it. And that's where you and me find ourselves we share a solidarity with Adam. But check this. I want you to check this. We may be shaped by what Adam and Eve did. We may have a solidarity with them. But, but, we must carry the weight of individual responsibility. You may be predisposed. It may be easy for you to fall into it, but you have individual responsibility. You see, you can't tell a police officer, 
if you're driving drunk, you can't tell him, you know what, I'm drinking because <laughs> my father used to drink. You know what the police officer is going to do? He's going to slap you with handcuffs. Because you are responsible for getting in the car and getting on the road, putting somebody else's life in danger. You, you're responsible. So yes, Adam and Eve did it. But you and me have individual responsibility. We are charged for the sins that we commit. In fact, Moses writing says it like this. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children. Hallelujah, somebody. No shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. In other words, you may share a likeness with your ancestors. You may walk like your ancestors. You may talk like your ancestors. You may do things like your ancestors. But just because you are like them doesn't mean you need to behave like them. <laughs> I hope somebody got that right there. Just because you are associated doesn't mean you need to relate the same way. Just because somebody in your bloodline was worshiping at the altar of alcohol or greed doesn't mean you need to worship at the same altar as well. Just because somebody in your bloodline was chained to debt doesn't mean you need to go and chain yourself to debt as well. Just because somebody in your bloodline was doubting and struggling to believe in God do not mean you also need to struggle with the same way. Just because they did it don't mean that you can do it. Just because they are like that doesn't mean you have to be like that. You have individual responsibility. Your sins are your sins, not others. You see, I love the fact that we have a spiritual standout, Sister Lydia. We have a spiritual standout in the genealogy of Adam. Yes. <laughs> oh, the Bible speaks about Enoch. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. He was like Adam. Because when you read verse 2 and 3, it says, and these were born in the likeness of Adam. Enoch was born after Adam. He is in the likeness of Adam, sharing Adam's weaknesses and struggles and challenges. But Enoch did not live like Adam. Enoch lived like God. He walked like God. And because God says, oh, my son, you're just like me. I'm going to take you. You're just like me. I'm going to elevate you. And that's what I need somebody here to understand. Your victory is in God. When you walk with God, you have victory. You, when you relate to God, you are going to be elevated. And so today, when we establish a relationship with God, we're going to be where we need to be. You don't have to be like them. Mm -mm. You don't have to be like them if you make a choice to change who you're going to, who you're going to relate to. You may be related to Adam, but you don't have to live like a relative of Adam. You can live like a relative of God. You see, Adam's sin does not cause our death. Our sin causes our death. But I need you to understand that the death of Jesus causes our life. Ah. <laughs> I, I, I hope you, you'll follow what I'm saying. 
Adam's sin does not cause our death. Our sin causes our death. But when we choose God, his death causes our life. We, we, we change things up. When I'm typing sometimes, I make mistakes. You feel me? I don't know if you've ever had to retype. Uh, in fact, today our phones are quite astute. They have uh, the autocomplete, right? When you're typing, it can even fill in the words that you need to fill in, right? And sometimes when I'm typing, I, I, I have to edit. I have to delete. <laughs> and everyone, I don't think you delete and edit like me because I have to do a lot of editing, you know what I'm saying, and changing things because I make mistakes. Do you, do you make mistakes? I make mistakes. But you see, what I need you to understand, when God looked at Adam and Eve in their mistake, he never felt like they were a mistake. He didn't say, oh my goodness, I, I shouldn't have made Adam and Eve. Because if I didn't make them, they wouldn't have sinned. No, God didn't say like that. God decided to reverse the mistake. Oof. I'm going to help somebody just now. He says, they have made a mistake. They are not a mistake. And let me just put it to you like this. If somebody makes you feel like a mistake, that person is acting devilish and diabolical. They're not acting and treating you like God because God doesn't look at you as a mistake. Hallelujah, somebody. You may feel like, people may make you feel like a mistake, but I want you to know today, God doesn't look at you as a mistake. In fact, he says, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my king, that's my queen. I will do amazing things with this person. No matter where they come from, no matter what, how, how, how tall they are, no matter how, how big they are, I don't matter. They are not a mistake. <laughs> they, are not, they are not a mistake. Because sometimes we are struggling um, with expectations. People want us to meet certain expectations. They, they want us to be certain kind of people. And you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's like that. And when you don't meet it, you don't reach it, you're like, ah, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. And if you're watching the news, especially when we talk about um, celebrities and, and movie stars, you know what we always do? We always talk about what they have done at this moment. We don't talk about what their past achievements. We always talk about, nah, yeah, they were good last year, but this team right now, they, they, they're, they're no good because expectations. And sometimes we are struggling and suffering through that. But I want you to understand that God, God loves you for who you are. So God says, you know what? Hmm. Hmm. Adrian, I'm going to let that sink in again. Amen. <clears throat> And I want you to see what God says. You know what? They're not a mistake, so I'm going to reverse the situation. So you know what God did? He says, he says, but the free gift is not like the offense. You see, Adam made an offense, but he says, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, <laughs> check this, if one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace of one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. God says, you know what? Adam messed up, but I'm going to reverse it through my son, Jesus Christ. He continues, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. Now that's the truth right there. Because of Adam's sin, we are condemned to die. But notice what the text says, but the free gift. You know some gifts are not free. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. And I love this last part. Therefore, 
<laughs> therefore, Putra, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came on all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. His death, my life. His punishment, my freedom. What Jesus went through liberates me. And that's how God was able to reverse it. God says, you are related to Adam first, but now I, I'm giving you a way out. You can relate to Jesus, the second Adam. I have reversed it. I have changed it. And I need somebody here to hear me today. God has reversed it. He's changed it. So the question is, who are you related to today? Are you related to the first Adam? If you are, condemnation and death. Are you related to the second Adam, Jesus Christ? That is life and freedom. So that's how God changed it up. He says, you know what? I, I want to give you a way out of this situation. I've created an insurance policy for you to be able to go through. Uh, Putra, just play my, my PowerPoint. It, it just went off for a second. I've given you a way out for you to be able to survive the struggles and the challenges. And so God says, as we're working on the PowerPoint, so God says, if we embrace death and enter into a relationship with him, we will not die. If we embrace his death, Thank you, Putra. You are, you are Superman, my friend. Appreciate you, my brother. You have just given life to this sermon, my man. If we embrace Jesus, mm -mm -mm, we're going to see amazing things. Here is something that I need you to understand and take home with you. You see, Water Kayser, a scholar, says it like this. And this just really elevated me. He, he said it like this. A relationship cannot be inherited. It can only be established or destroyed, affirmed or denied. You see, a relationship with God cannot be inherited. You cannot say, well, my father was so spiritual, my mother was so spiritual, therefore I will also be spiritual. You can't inherit it. You understand what I'm saying? You can only establish it or affirm it or deny it. The question is, where are you going to be right here this morning? Are you going to establish a relationship with God? Are you going to affirm the relationship? Perhaps those who have come before you show you the way to know God. Perhaps they said, you know what, if you want to, to get closer to God, you need to pray. You need to read the Bible. Perhaps they did that. But that's not enough for you. You need to go a step further. You need to say, you know what, <laughs> man, I was talking to God this morning, and he told me that uh, today I'm going to get a bonus. You need to have a relationship like that. Today I was talking to the Lord, and he told me that I shouldn't do this. God wants to be able to relate to you, not the way he related to you, to, not the way he relates to your family members. He wants to relate to you with you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the only one in the universe. You are the only one that is special. So God doesn't want to treat you like everybody else. God wants to treat you like you. He wants to know you like you. He wants to relate with you like you. I want you to know that God is dying for a relationship with you. Let's not be like the foolish virgins. You know the foolish virgins? They knew 
the Lord. They brought their oil. <laughs> they looked spiritual. But when it was time to enter, Jesus says, well, I don't know you. Now, please don't, don't, don't miss me. Jesus knew them. He knew the activity. He knew what they were doing, but they had no relationship. They were not related. They were not connected. And so somebody here might say to me, Pastor, I, I appreciate that the death of Jesus creates life for me. It makes a way out for me. I want to establish a relationship with Jesus. How do I actually do that? I ask you, how do you establish relationships in your life? How did you get close to your wife? How did you get close to your husband? How did you get close to your pastor? How did you get close to your friends? How did you get close to the people around you? How, what did you do? Just think about what you did and apply those same principles to God. You're going to have a relationship with him. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you need to read the Bible five times a day. You need to pray ten times a day. That's not what I'm going to tell you. You need to operate on principles and use those same principles you use in your life and you're going to have a relationship with God. But you know, I'm such a good preacher. I'm going to give you things to hang on. I'm going to give you three principles that you can take with you to help you establish a relationship with God. The first one is intentionality. If you want to have a relationship with God, you need to have intentionality. Remember, when you were trying to date her, how you would uh, create problems that were not problems so that you could just simply have a conversation with her. Remember how you used to be late to everything so that you could spend a little bit more time with her. Remember how you joined certain groups in order for you to get close to those people. Remember that? That's intentionality. That's what you need to do in your relationship with God. You need to be intentional. He needs to be a part of your schedule. You need to think, what am I going to do today to spend a little bit more time with God? What do I need to move out of my schedule so that God is in there? What did I need to do to just be a little more late so that I can connect with my God? What will I do intentionally to connect with my God? The second thing you need to do, second principle is you need to consider importance. You know, I've discovered in life that we only keep the important relationships. That is why some of your friends in high school are no longer your friends today because they're no longer important to you. Some of those important for giving you a pencil in class. Some of those important uh, <laughs> for you to get a ride from them. But they're no longer that person to you in your life, so they're no longer there. But the people in your life are the important people. Here's a question. How important is God in your life? How important is he? Mm -hmm. You see, people tell me, Pastor, I'm busy. For me, business is, is, is nonsense. Why? Because when something is important, you have time for it. You will squeeze your schedule to make time for it. You squeeze your schedule to get in that movie. You squeeze in your schedule to get in that run. You squeeze in that schedule to go on a date. You squeeze your schedule. You find ways. And so if God is important to you, he will be a part of your life. But if he's not important, then you always find excuses. I don't have time to read. I don't understand the Bible. Or oh, I'm too busy. That's how you're going to operate. But if he's important, oh, he will be a part of your life. Last but not the least, you need to understand interdependence. You see, when it comes to relationships, the best relationships operate on the principle of interdependence. 
There is something that I bring. There's, somebody, there's something that they bring. And when we bring these together, oh my goodness, we make a powerful team. Do you understand that you are interdependent on God? That without him you can do nothing. Without him you are nothing. You cannot achieve in life what you need to achieve if God is not a part of your life. And therefore when you understand intentionality, when you understand importance and interdependence, you will have a relationship with God. A young man ran the Jakarta Marathon in 2019. Now, some elite athletes from Kenya also decided to join the Jakarta Marathon. Now, these elite Kenyan runners finished 42 kilometers in under two hours and 30 minutes. But this young man was not Kenyan, he was Malawian. And he did 21 kilometers in two hours and nine minutes. Now when the organizers of the race looked at this young Malawian young man running the, running the, 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 the marathon, they thought he was on the level of the Kenyan runners. They thought he is elite, but the brother said, I'm not Kenyan, I'm Malawian. You see, that was good because they, that, was what we, that, that is what we call honor by association. Sometimes when we hang out with certain kind of people, people think we also got it like them. If we hang out with rich people, people also think that we are rich. If we hang out around smart people, people also think that we are smart. You feel what I'm saying? So they, they honored me. <laughs> they, they honored me and said, oh, this guy is also fast. But they didn't, realize, they didn't realize the color of my skin did not determine the speed of my legs. But I'm glad this morning that when you and I associate ourselves to Jesus, we transform into who he is. He changes us to truly be transformed and changed. Sin no longer has power or control over our lives. We become champions. We're no longer worried about pornography. We're no longer worried about self-control. We're no longer worried about adultery. These things don't mean anything anymore because our relationship with God defines everything. We focus on him. We want to live for him. The things that seem to be so important and now begin to lose their power, begin to lose their effect because Jesus has entered into our life and therefore we are transformed. His death now begins to give us a life. We become just like him. And the way you do that this morning is by accepting the free gift. As I told you, some gifts are not free. You got to work for them. But the gift of grace through Jesus is free. All you need to do is to embrace it. Somebody here has been focusing on living a righteous life. But what you have forgotten is that your righteousness is like filthy rags. What you need is Jesus in your life. What you need is to relate to Jesus once again. Focusing on him. Focusing on how he can change your life. And my brother and my sister, when you do that, your life is going to be transformed. Today, somebody needs to stop relating to Adam and you need to start relating to Jesus because who you relate to determines the power of sin in your life. You want to say, Pastor, today I want to relate to Jesus. I want to relate to him. Every head is bowed. 
Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that the death of Jesus reverses our death and gives us life. Lord, we want to accept the free gift that you've given us in Jesus. Lord, some of us have been focused on living a right life without a right relationship. Lord, we want to stop doing that. We want to establish a right relationship and allow you to truly change us to make us like Jesus. Somebody has never accepted Jesus in their life, but today they want to accept him. Lord, I pray that you would receive your son or your daughter, wherever they may be. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. In the awesome and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to see you soon. I hope that word blessed you. And I hope you can see that God wants a serious relationship with you. And as Facts Alive Ministry, Jakarta Central Church, we are here to facilitate that. We want to help you have a serious relationship with God. Now, if you want to connect with us, we have our hotline number. You can simply text us, call us, and our pastoral team and those who are working with us will reach out to you and help you. Perhaps you like a Bible study. Perhaps you want to be baptized. We're here to do that for you. So may the Lord bless you because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Take care. God bless.